At approximately 5.15 p.m. on May 10th in 1967, three boys ages 11, 13, and 14 explore a cave near their house in Mark Twain's hometown of Hannibal, Missouri. Brothers Billy Hogue, Joel Hogue, and friend Craig Dow are never seen again. Making the case go cold for over 50 years. Using the facts from 1967, we reopen the case for the Lost Boys of Hannibal. Welcome back to the season finale of the Lost Boys and Hannibal podcast. I'm your host, Frankie Cambaletta, and with me, because I wouldn't have it any other way, the... Chris Ketters? That's good. I thought you were going to say my name for me there for a second there, Frankie. I was like, oh, he's doing all the work for me today. <laughs> I, I just I just feel that, like, you know, you deserve the the now in front of the... Of the uh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm like an emperor or something. Ex- ex- <laughs> exactly where I was going with that. <laughs> Uh, so so this is actually part two of our season finale, yes. but this is our final episode of the season, so everybody it's, can have that tear. Yes, tear. teardrops. <laughs> it's the final finale. Of the season. Until <laughs> Sunday, October 25th at oh, yeah. 7 p.m., we are doing a special Halloween show. Because I love Halloween, and because I feel it is important to celebrate um the All Hallows Eve. It's a very, very uh, cultured event for me because a lot of candy that would be Ed. And I've been saving up all my calories, Chris, for this one Sunday um, to eat every Reese's peanut butter pumpkin there is. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully you guys can tune in and join us. We'll be on Facebook Live on October 25th at 7 p.m. If you guys will post pictures of your Halloween costumes on the following week, me and Chris will decide whose costume was the best, and you will receive a $50 gift certificate to my favorite restaurant. Mark Twain Brewing Company. Yeah, so this is going to be cool. Um, I But Frankie, I am going to go behind the curtain and, and tell people about a little bit about this, because it's something me and you've been discussing a lot, yes. and, and something I actually think we need to bring up. Um, it was something we thought about actually doing within our uh, podcast itself, what we're going to be talking about, but... We, we really wanted to keep things more on the, I don't want to say professional side, but I want to say more so on the um, keeping things to the facts and keeping just to Sci- the, scientific. The solid evidence. Scientific, yeah. yeah. And, and so some of the things we're going to be discussing in, in this on the Facebook Live, which I think a lot of people want to get to, is some of the stuff, especially with it being the Halloween time of year. You know, there's those oddball stories out there, those those uh, left field stories, say, for example, uh, Momo or UFOs and things like that. So it's not something we want to really keep with on this podcast, but it's something that we're going to have a little fun with on Halloween. Exactly. And this is not to um, change direction or change the focus of the Lost Boys and Hannibal podcast. 
we are going to continue to give you the facts as we find them and the facts as uh, we see them and the evidence that we will be doing, which we'll be discussing a little bit of what we've got going on in the upcoming weeks. And hopefully we'll be kicking off season three of The Lost Boys and Hannibal uh, within a couple months, but we'll have bonus episodes, we'll have our live events, and then hopefully, Chris, hopefully we can get to Hannibal around Christmas time where we can do a meet and greet would be a nice time. Hopefully uh, by that time the election um, election crazy stuff will be over and we can settle into what the future of 2021 holds, not only for the Lost Boys of Hannibal, but for our country as well. So I think it'll be a good time to spread some cheer and holiday cheer and have a meet and greet if it's possible. We're still, you know, we're still, me and Chris are still podcasting from different locations and in my location right now is philadelphia pennsylvania um, i'm sitting in the middle of the city right on broad street north broad right by jimmy g's cheesesteaks um, that was not uh, why i got this place <laughs> but um, it's been an incredible temptation for me to stay good with my uh, new lifestyle change so i did have a cheesesteak chris um it was phenomenal it was worth it i'm sure i've actually right? been to gino's pats and jimmy g's and then, Sounds like more than one cheese <laughs> I've been only eating half and then going to the gym and killing it. But I am. My mom's got, you got to go to Tony Luke's. So I'm, I'm going to Tony Luke's um, probably this weekend at some point to try their cheesesteak. So um, in other news outside of cheesecakes, <laughs> <laughs> if you do hear some weird rumblings in the background, I am in the heart of Philadelphia in the city. So there might be some things that sound like jets. It's basically people on four wheelers and dirt bikes that cruise down the street all night long. So something Air- hey. Airbnb did not inform me of. <laughs> let's let's do this. If there's anybody that listens to us from the great state of Pennsylvania, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. And let us know that you're from Pennsylvania. Exactly. And then let us know uh, what you think about the show and your favorite place to enjoy a cheesesteak. There you go. It'd be awesome. Because <laughs> Pat's, I hear, is a tourist trap. Um, so far, Pat's has been my favorite cheesecake. Cheesesteak, though. <laughs> Did you just have a Freudian slip right there and said cheesecake yeah, instead of cheesesteak? That's New York. Um, Jersey's only like, I work out, actually I've been working out in Jersey. So, so Cherry Hill is where all my family's from, like Cranford, North Plainfield. That's where my mom, that's where my dad's from. My mom is from Philadelphia. So she's a big Tony Luke's cheesecake fan. Uh, I said it again, cheesesteak fan. So I've been, um, saving that one up for a special day to, to enjoy Tony Luke's Philly uh, cheesesteak. So, well, good deal. Well, hopefully we get you back in, in the great state of Missouri. That's right. Because my favorite thing still, Chris, is the mozzarella triangles. Mm. That, that Lily made a reference to. You said that, and my mouth immediately started watering. <laughs> so, best costumes, <laughs> and it could be your children's. It could be your kids' costume. It doesn't have to be your costume if you're not dressing. So make sure you send those pictures on that live thread. So we'll have a live thread. You'll be able to comment right there. Just throw those pictures up right on that same live feed. Um, yeah, and it's going to be something more. It's going to be fun for us. It's going to be a fun night. I mean, yeah. uh, and here's the thing with me. I was just thinking about this as we're talking is, you know, I've this this year has been more research intensive than than last year was I, yeah. I, for me personally anyway. So it's going to be nice to kind of blow off some steam and have some fun and, and, and be out there. And we'll be on there as long as we need to be, um, as long as we're, we're still having some fun and people are still enjoying their time. So we'll have a good time doing that. But again, I think what October 25th. Yep, that's a Sunday at 7 p.m. I will make a little cool little flyer thing for Facebook, and I'll put it up there so you guys can mark. I'll actually create an event. How about that? You'll create the event, and I'll make the little design. 
All right, sounds good. I'll I'll put that on my to do list. I love Halloween. <laughs> well, speaking of things we love, we we also love talking about the obviously the Lost Boys of Hannibal. And uh, if you're on our discussion group, because that's another thing we love, we love our discussion group and the people that get on there. Uh, we had somebody just last weekend. Um, so uh, about the end of uh, beginning of October, that is, we had um, one of our uh, one of our discussion group people. I'm going to give her a shout out, Crystal Shaw. She made a post on our discussion group, and Frankie, I'll tell you this: you, you got you learned about it after the fact. Um, but we have a small group of people, uh, the kind of some of the core people, and you've uh, people listening to this podcast have met some of those people like Julie um, and we've talked about Rich Yoakum uh, and we have a little group that we, we keep in tabs and keep in touch with and kind of keep contact with what's going on. Well anyway, Crystal Shaw posted this these pictures and we found out that obviously we talked about the uh, the blockhouse, the, the big blockhouse that's next to Murphy's Cave and uh, pictures were posted on Facebook that they were doing construction and a hole opened up Frankie to Murphy's cave. Right. So my reaction was, what? <laughs> <laughs> right. And that hole uh, so that hole is so weird. It's like perfect. It's like the perfect hole. It's like, wow, that is a cave inch. It almost looks like our logo for Lost Boys and Hannibal. <laughs> it does. Uh, so anyway, we this got everybody really excited. Um, we, we did make some contact with some state groups. Uh, just to see if there would be any interest, and, and we didn't really hear anything back, so we kind of let let things slide. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there was an actual opening. Murphy's Cave was reopened in the last two weeks. And uh, go to our discussion group page. You can see the pictures. And, and we're pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, um, that the hole that they opened up, where they opened up at, is actually one of the locations that, if you look at the really old Murphy's Cave maps that you see in the newspaper and stuff, uh, they talk about a couple different openings. Openings, and I think they opened up one of the one of the northernmost openings in Murphy's Cave. So there's some questions on Facebook: Is this Murphy's Cave? Is this not Murphy's Cave? It's definitely Murphy's Cave. It is part of the Murphy's Cave complex for sure. So anyway, you want to check that out? It's pretty kind of crazy what with us and what we're doing, and then all of a sudden, boom! Murphy's Cave is opened up. Uh, I don't know if it still is or not, but th- that's what where we're at as of October second. It's coming in like full full circle right like the we've talked about this a couple uh, even on the last episode where we had um started this season with serial killers we started this season with potential um threats to the boys that could have abducted them and in episode 12 if you haven't given that a listen yet um it talks about the objectivity not subjectivity but objectivity of actually abducting three boys that this is a probable thing that could have occurred and could have happened. Uh, That's why that episode is important to us. It kind of closes that gap on the probability versus possibility of the boys being abducted. With Murphy's Cave opening like that, it's almost this weird, I don't know. Uh, when When you showed me tonight, I just got chills. Like, why is it open? Why was it this mistake in construction? I don't believe in coincidence, Chris. You know, will this lead to something? So I'm glad we put our calls into the right people, and hopefully they'll respond within this week, and maybe we can get people down in that cave that are not only responsible but capable of doing it. Because this guy right here will have takeout 
from Mark Twain's Brewing Company. <laughs> I will be enjoying. Sit at the side of the road. Exactly. And watch it. I'll be. I'll camp out. I have my little tent, my little coat on, my little mozzarella yeah. sticks, and I'll be good. And you guys can there go in. Go. Yeah. Have fun. So I, I do want to do. I kind of one thing you kind of hit on there. We're pretty sure, and I don't want to throw out misguided information, but from what I'm hearing on Facebook and from some different discussion posts, is that the the block house, the old two story house that we've talked about, that's on the north side of Murphy's Hill. Sounds like they might be turning into some sort of like either a B and B or an Airbnb or something along those lines. They've been doing construction all summer long. I mentioned this in one of our other podcast uh, episodes a few weeks ago, but they've been doing that. And I think they're I think this instance where the hole got opened up because they're cutting into some of the caves. I think they're opening up that parking lot a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, so they had to gain a little bit of uh, way. And then also you can see there's huge blocks, <laughs> these huge concrete blocks that they have there too. So my guess is they're pushing it back a little bit. And then creating a new, um, like a concrete barrier to hold the dirt from coming down the hill. So that's kind of what happened there and why this hole got put in. I'd be curious to see how they're going to fill it because those big concrete blocks are not going to fill that hole now. So right. it might require some concrete. Because this is such a current thing that just happened over the last couple of weeks. And it was it Crystal Shaw who gave us a good shout out? That's the type of listeners and audience members that we love that's on top of stuff, giving us the information that we don't have. Um, there on the ground where she can just drive by it or or whatever um, the first bonus episode will actually talk about that house we had a beautiful letter that was written to us we mentioned this a couple uh, a couple weeks back now probably a little closer to the beginning of the season um, we actually have the resident who lived there with her parents um, her dad owned a uh, gas station which later became a mechanic shop which later became um, a check cashing store and a bunch of different odd and ends and, and um, just a really cool story about how her life developed in that house in Hannibal. And that's one of the first bonus episodes. And I will also be uh, posting pictures that she sent me of the house when she was a child um, in 1970. So three years after the boys uh, went missing. It's a really cool uh, story, a beautifully written letter. And I am so excited to share that guys with you guys uh, during our bonus episodes during the off season. Okay. Definitely. And we got more. I, I know of at least three more bonus episodes on top of that that we have coming up. So um, as Frankie said earlier, even though we're going to be gone for a few months, we're not because we'll have some more information coming your way. Um, not not straight up, you know, about what's going on, what's exactly happening on this date and what we've been doing. But it'll be more about um, stuff that you'll want to know but just to, to keep a well-rounded about everything that's going on um, in that area and looking forward to those. But, hey, we got a lot of stuff still to talk about. In this episode before we finish the season out and one thing i did want to bring up um and again give another shout out to one of our discussion group people and that's ben johnson he he brought up a, a point and and actually i believe this was on our home page uh our facebook page that is that he brought up the question about hey i heard you talk about whimpering in the last episode and, and I, I didn't know anything about that and i replied back that uh, i said i said hey ben you know appreciate you popping in and talking to us about this it was actually a newspaper article that talked specifically about a man that was uh, behind stole school and heard whimpering uh coming from a, the sinkhole that existed uh behind the school back in 1967 and i told him i said hey i didn't get a chance to find it i'll look for it and try to read you that snippet of the article when uh, we do our this episode. And, well, Frankie, I couldn't find the article. <laughs> <laughs> I searched and searched and searched, and the only spot that had, you know, my tags in my, my, my database, I only had one that has whimpering in it, and for some reason I think that's... 
Um, that article got missed, like the, the bottom part of that section disappeared and I cannot find the second part of that newspaper article now. So um, I, I hopefully will get that guys to you on our discussion group uh, within the next few weeks. I know I got to make another trip to Hannibal. By the way, Frankie, the Hannibal Library, I love them to death, but they are only open Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays right now. And that does not work for me right now because every time I go up there, it's Thursday. Is that because of COVID still? Or just, yeah, okay. it's because of COVID. So um, I've been trying, I've gone, gone past the library like three times in the past month. And I, every time I get there, it's like Thursday or Tuesday. I'm like, dang it. I, I can't go on this day. Uh, so hopefully I'll get up there. Ironically, my next visit to Hannibal's on Tuesday. I just now thought about that. But <laughs> um, hopefully we'll get up there and get that article, and I'll make sure we post that on our page. But, yeah, there was a there was an actual article in the newspaper talking about whimpering coming behind Stoll School from a sinkhole. They investigated the sinkhole a little bit, but they quickly determined that it, there was no way for the boys to fall into the sinkhole. Um to be able to get lost in the sinkhole. And that's a problem because that's not what we're focusing on. And Julie Angel talked about this yeah. in her episodes earlier this season is that there's a really strong possibility. We talked about that thousand foot distance that those uh, cutout caves on the 79 cutout area could go up to a thousand feet, which goes way past Stoll School. Um, there's a chance that those, those passageways could be, um, I should say that sinkhole could be a result of a passageway underneath that sinkhole. And so it wasn't necessarily the boys fell in the sinkhole, but they were in the passageway and they found a possibility of going up through the, through the north, you know, going up through the ceiling and not able to get out. And that's where the whimpering was coming from. But once we find that article, I'll make sure to pass that along to you because that's a very important article. And especially for Frankie, what we're doing in our boots on the ground effort in the next few weeks, that's exactly why we're doing what we're doing with LIDAR and things like that is because of that sinkhole and because of that specific article in the newspaper back in the day. Yeah. And we're going to try to make that a, um, a big ordeal and we'll give you updates as to what's happening right now. Um, we want the leaves to change and get some beautiful photographs of our families. And then we want all the leaves to go away. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually, I, I was out today, Frankie, and I, uh, I just kept looking at the leaves and I just kept saying to myself, man, these things need to change quicker. Why are they taking so long to I change? I know, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, I want them to fall off. To get, let's go. Yeah. we got stuff to they do. They just started changing uh, here in Jersey and stuff. So, yeah, um, they're changing a little bit here. But, uh, yeah, so we're yeah. waiting for all the leaves to fall. But uh, So, yeah, anyway, thanks, Ben. Uh, we'll make sure to get that on the discussion group once, once we finally do track that down. Um, but, Frankie, I think what we really need to do, it, I know there's people that are listening to this right now and saying, Chris, Frankie, you left us with such a big cliffhanger last episode, and you're 16 minutes into this episode, and you haven't talked about the cliffhanger yet. Oh, that guy Terrence Hill? <laughs> yeah, our good old buddy Terry Hill. Um, so, should we dig in? Did you have anything else before we I mean, we can kind of lead into this a little bit. I find that this is... We had kept talking about how we had to go off script and really make season two um, something that was not only... Um, important to our listeners and our audience, um, but important in the fact that COVID kind of changed the direction of the season. You mentioned last episode that, you know, some silver linings had come from COVID and changing the direction of this season. And I think that it's important to remember that, you know, we went into season two with interviews and trying to find out if it was possible for 
you know, some serial killer around that time to do it. And this entire culmination leading up to the episode 14, which you're listening to now, the last episode of season two, it follows the, 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 the trail of a possible first local suspect with real grit. And there's real tenacity here. There's something that possibly could be an answer to it. Now, we're not saying for sure or definite that this might be a guy that was responsible for the boy's disappearance. But honestly, and according to Chris's research, I don't think that the police or FBI ever investigated Terrence Hill for the disappearance of the boy. So to our knowledge, to our knowledge, we don't know if they ever did any kind of background of Terrence Hill because as Chris will get into it, when he's arrested, when those things kind of follow suit, it's way after the boys have gone missing. But remember, this this person is part of the search. This this person is part of um, tracking where the boys went last. He was working for the Department of Corrections. So there's a there's a interesting you know bookend here where we start the season and where we're now ending it. Um, and it's really something for you guys to think of in the break. Definitely. Uh, so when we left you, we, we learned that he went to prison, um, but we're going to kind of backtrack just a little bit. And uh, our good old friend Jackie, who's pretty much our lead researcher, when, when, when I don't dig into stuff, I send it up to Jackie, and Jackie digs in deeper than I probably ever could. So I thank him so much for helping us out with this. But I want to start with what he found. Uh, the first thing comes from October 19th, 1966. It's in the Moberly, Missouri Monitor. And uh, it says, Mr. Hill graduated from the lower division of the Moberly Junior College and from Hannibal LaGrange College in Hannibal. He received his military training in the United States Air Force. He is an active he is active in Boy Scout work, being Scoutmaster of Troop 19. Mr. Hill is a Southern Baptist minister and a present at present is serving as a supply minister and will soon begin work at the Missouri Department of Corrections. So, uh, a couple things you can take from that. First of all is that um, he is a scoutmaster. Secondly, uh, this is October of 1966. He just recently was beginning a job with the Missouri Department of Corrections. And, oh yeah, by the way, he went to Hannibal LaGrange College in Hannibal. Which... If you read, if okay. you read, if you read, <laughs> if you read Sorrow of the Heart, <laughs> you, you uh, get into some sidebar conversations that you had that we probably will reveal next season. But yeah. um, it's interesting that he went to that college and he chose those things. Also, that I think you said he was a Baptist minister. Yes. And, and the Boy Scouts was a uh, Southern Baptist. That's interesting because the Boy Scouts was a Catholic organization, I believe. So that's interesting. Mm. Um yeah. yeah, and and being around boys in in that is just terrible um, for what it, what happens later. Correct? I mean, this is just a, a right. prelude, right? Yeah, and so that comes from an actual marriage, like you know the wedding announcements. That was from his wedding announcements because he got married uh, in 1966. Ironically, maybe not ironically, he got divorced in May of 1970. So just four years later, he got divorced. Uh, there is a February 1968 article once again in the Moberly Monitor that talks about Terry being uh, being a scout troop uh, leader, building a trail in the central Missouri area. So there, we did come across that. So he was 
So we know for sure in 1966 he was starting his job in the Missouri Department of Corrections. 1967, he's he's mentioned in the Hannibal Courier Post articles about being brought in as a quote-unquote tracker for the search parties. And then in 1968, we, do, we know that he was still in Moberly because he was still the, the troop leader uh, back uh, in there, as the article stated. Now, we jump forward. Now, this is where we kind of lose track of him for right now. But we do want to jump forward in time. We do know some information. And one of the big concerns that we had when we kind of talked about last episode was we wanted to make sure because his name is actually called, um, it's Terry, and then it could go by Thomas Hill, Terry Hill, but his name is Thomas Terry Hill. So we wanted to make sure that we weren't, you know, double dipping or finding something, somebody else that was named Terry Hill or Thomas Hill. And we were having a mistaken identity sort of thing. We were able to confirm that wasn't the case because we were able to find his actual birth certificate or find out when he was born because the, excuse me, the uh, wedding announcement said his birth date. Now, the reason we could connect two and two together is because of what happened in later times. And again, we don't have specific dates. That's what we're working on. But we don't have specific dates of when he went to prison. We do know from the family that he went to prison for child molestation. Um, again, uh, we do also know that he was has his own gravestone. And it is at the uh, in Huntsville, Texas. And it's under the name Thomas Terry Hills. And his, as I mentioned, his birth date in the wedding announcement is the same as what his birth date on the tombstone is in Texas. So, I mean, I, if you just want to say the chances of it being somebody else is pretty slim. Uh, and we do know finally that he died October 20, or 2013 in Huntsville, Texas, at the Cap- and he's buried at the Captain Joe Bird Cemetery, which is a.k.a. the Huntsville Prison Cemetery. So that's what we know, Frankie. What we don't know, and this is what we're still working on, and I will be honest, unfortunately, one of our big investigators, one of our detectives that works with us and kind of helps us try to find out some of this information, his family's having some COVID issues right now. So that's kind of putting, again, kind of a little bit of a, we wish them, obviously, the best of luck and and wish them them the best and hope they get well soon. Uh, But that is putting a little delay on us being able to find out the rest of the information. So hopefully we'll be able to find that out pretty soon. If exactly a few questions I have, and I know you have as well, is where was he convicted? Where did he was accused of molesting these children at? Um, Why is he in Texas and not Missouri? It was their charges in Missouri. When did that happen? So those are all the questions we need to find out. And as we mentioned, the problem with that is, is that it seems like according to Jackie, that once a, inmate dies in prison they kind of uh, dissolve all their court records and all their information we're hoping we can still find it um, but as of right now we are not having much luck with that do we know how he died in prison no don't even know that and so again hopefully with uh, our our work with some law enforcement people we're going to be able to find that question out because i think that's important too because you i know and maybe this is just a you know, I maybe I just know this from the movies or TV or podcast or whatever, but it sounds like child molesters never have a very good time in prison. No, they're not. They're just not. Put it put it lightly. <laughs> they're not real successful in prison, um, as you can see. I mean, Dahmer wasn't really a child molester, but he definitely had a type, and he was eventually found caught up and killed in prison. 
a lot of people don't know that a lot of people think Dahmer was put to death execution style um, with the federal government, but he wasn't. Uh, he was actually killed in prison. Um, hmm. He had a unique type, which was black athletic gay men. And um, they don't know for certain who killed Dahmer, but they definitely know who might have killed Dahmer. So child molesters in general don't get the best treatment in any kind of um, prison situation. So, um, you know, do I wish that Terrence Hill was still alive? Yes, I do. Um, I think that there's partly uh, closure, but I also want to speak to the people that served time with Terrence, and hopefully it was a long time and those people were still alive. I think that there's interviews to be had uh, with the people that might have been a bunkmate of his um, because in prison, you know, people talk. And if you have a life sentence, if you have a sentence of any kind in prison, I think that you're going to eventually spill the beans about something. And whether he had anything to do with the boy's um, disappearance, I find it very peculiar that, you know, he involved himself with young children and young boys um, this was clearly some kind of uh, mental illness that he had. Um, I'm liberal in a lot of things, Chris. I'm not liberal about, um, you know, this whole idea of, of child molestation and stuff like that. That That is a sickness. It's a mental illness. These people are um, very sick. I think that one of our episodes with Dr. Brian Haloida really gets into um, the sexual predator's mindset. Uh, in that interview... Dr. Brian Haloida does talk a little bit about child molestation and murder and how it is rare. It's a rare occurrence. So, you know, does that, does that hurt the case? You know, in some cases, you know, when you have a child molestation case, they don't always serve time, you know, and it might be a short amount of time, could be community service. Depends on how, how big the crime was. You know, if you have like child pornography, if you have pictures. So, Diving into Terrence Hill's actual charges, or maybe it was multiple charges over a series of time, might have put him away. Uh, maybe he was charged with something and then broke probation, and then they put him away because he was found out again to be holding certain things. Um, you know, you see that a lot. I mean, we see that a lot in when we've done research with some local Hannibal um, convicted molesters or whatever you want to say is that you see a habitual situation where they they get they get connected the first time with an issue and then uh, all of a sudden two years down the road or whatever there you see a second issue with nearly a straight molestation but they had something in their their possession that was against their parole and so that you know so it's a it's a thing where they keep adding on so yeah i see what you're saying there yeah and it's it's something that is definitely you know sick and um you know regardless of of how the boys went missing i think there's tragedy in it um but i've said this before on the podcast i you know i my preference would be that you know they met their end doing something they loved and and exploring might have been it Frankie, let me ask you this, I, and I know that you don't like coincidence things, but let's just go down the road real quick of, you have this guy by the name of Terry Hill that, you know, as of 1967, uh, we don't really, as far as we know, we, there's no accusations of, of him being a molester or anything like that. 
what's our chances of this guy coming to Hannibal and helping with a case which then 50 years down the road, maybe not that long, 30 years down the road, there's questions of was the was these three boys abducted? Now you have this guy that we know has been charged with child molestation that was a part of the investigation. Is it coincidence or is there more to it than just that? It's a good question. It's a, it's a tough question because I think that when you look at Terrence Hill's case and, and the great work that Jackie Myrick has done, and I'll be, the holidays are coming and I usually see the Myricks around the holidays, which is awesome. They actually happen to be really close friends with my sister, which is how I know Jackie. Um, he did subscribe to my other podcast, did win the t-shirt. All that was true. Um, so, <laughs> but I think it's definitely something that when I look at it from a coincidence standpoint, I think that the more you look, I think that infinite patience yields finite results. And I think that the more you look for it, the more you spend time of it, I feel that the universe has a way of revealing stuff. And I know that sounds very spiritualistic, but I'm a spiritualistic person. Um, and I think that I think the universe knows our heart. Um, and, and this universe for you could be God or a religious figure. I've talked about my religion before on this podcast. Um, I pray a lot. And, you know, I, last night I did my novena and, and the boys are always mentioned in my prayers for the rosaries and stuff like that, that I do. Um, and I think that there's a way that coincidence can meet fate, destiny, um, that this out of the blue question happens where you have a guy who's like, hey, have you ever ran across Terrence Hill? Um, you know, and it just becomes this Wow. You know, when you start revealing all that stuff. Now, I don't want to blow smoke up anyone's butt or anything like that, that this might be the reveal, right? It could just be coincidence, though, Chris. It could just be that, I mean, there's another registered uh, sex sexual predator that still lives in Hannibal um, that's related to the Lost Boys of Hannibal case. I'm not revealing the name on here because of libel, but, you know, you can do your own research and you can connect the dots pretty good. If you've read John Wingate's book, and if you do the research that me and Chris did initially and you look for those last names in CaseNet <laughs> or in registered child uh, predators, you'll come across a name that's very similar and a person that was very much a part of the uh, of the cave rescue and the search. Yeah, you kind of you kind of you kind of walked around that a little bit. You kind of tiptoed around it. But, yeah, that's a good point of, of that. There is a specifically a name that you can find in not uh, in, in definitely Wingate's book um, that is actually named as a child uh, predator. And he was just still alive he was just, He's still alive. He was just um, – I follow him too. And uh, it, this goes back to, to being – our local suspects. This is part of the reason right. why that, again, we've never mentioned the name. We've never really gotten the details because the problem is, is that once we get into the details, we pretty much are giving away the name of, of who this person is. So that's why right. it becomes a, problem, a little bit of a problem uh, because this, this gentleman is still alive. Um, right. So we, that's why, but again, you can do your own research in that, but that's part of the reason we're going to talk about a little bit is that, you know, those local suspects are still on our percentages as possibilities because of these connections. But again, you have Terry Hill and you have this other local suspect that we just mentioned. I mean, how much of it is coincidence and when does it switch over from coincidence? Like, okay, something's up here, you know? Right. Right. Maybe that's a better question for the Halloween show. (laughs) 
it, it, it is. I think that the, the local, the other local suspect that resides in Hannibal has um, documented uh, cases for possession of child pornography. He doesn't have any, to my knowledge, he doesn't, he never actually acted on it within, within local children. So it's very different um, situation where you look at a Terrence Hill where this guy was, I mean, just being the Southern Baptist minister, the or youth minister, and then the Boy Scouts, and then being inside the Department of Corrections. And some people often wonder why, um, you know, serial killers have this, serial killers or serial pedophiles have this connection with law enforcement. And a lot of it is because they're not stupid individuals. A lot of them know, want to know what they can get away with, right? John Wayne Gacy was a big advocate of this. John Wayne Gacy's two abductees. So John Wayne Gacy was able to abduct two people at the same time because he basically drove a black Oldsmobile and he flashed a fake badge and the kids got into the car with them and those kids ended up dead. And he did that twice and he abducted two people at one time. And he's one of the serial killers that basically has that to his to his account and to his credit when you look at other people like um, chasers and pedophiles that worked for the department of corrections when you look at the golden state killer who was once a police officer um, this is going back to um, i believe uh, what's his name osman and his wife who passed very unexpectedly but she wrote the book on the golden state killer she essentially had solved the crime uh, there's a great documentary on hbo that talks all about the golden state killer and the chase um, uh, for his wife and, and and what he did after his wife died as a comedian trying to track down this killer but that killer was also in law enforcement they knew exactly what they can get away with i think that they they choose this path of of righteousness because I think in their own head, they want to know what the limitations are by learning from other prisoners, by learning from other people that got snabbed or you know, got snagged for it or pinched for it. Um, they kind of build up their repertoire of, of how they want to, if they're going to act on this, how they can get away with it possibly. Um, the fact that he was a tracker, the fact that he devised and made trails for boys, um, the fact that if these if these three boys were out there and he just happened to be out there and he says, hey, you want to see something really cool? I'll show you. And he knew a way to get them down into a cave. He knew a way to take advantage of them. He knew a way. Um, this, this guy, for me, if we're going to go with suspects right now, is the lead suspect for me. Um, I would put my percentages uh, fairly high for me. I believe that um, if I'm going this route, I would put him between 15 and 20% of possibly being involved just because I don't believe in coincidences. And I, this guy's record, I mean, it's the perfect, perfect suspect, right? This is a guy that understands the woods, knows the area, has created trails, has been around boys and boy scouts, can flash his scoutmaster honor to them, can earn their trust very quickly. Um, and then you, you throw in the element of surprise where he has his own trails and his own things. And maybe this is a person they met the, 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 the week before. Maybe this is a person that was such the exciting news. This guy showed them a really, really good, cool cave and it tell them to return with, you know, friends if they want to go down. And maybe that's exactly what they did. And the fact that he involves himself um, or he's placed as the tractor just becomes a little bit of uh, irony. But man, wow. What a way to detract and to uh, bring people off the trail if you're the one 
looking for them and you know exactly where they are you can you can put them anywhere so i mean for me it's picture perfect like wow is it is it really that easy chris is it that easy that and it's possible that they're still in the caves or around the caves in areas uh, that he knew might have been buried or they wouldn't be searched for or wouldn't be looking for because once again this was a tracker so my head was exploding when when jackie released all this stuff to me i don't know that was long-winded but I was pretty excited to see that this is really a very hot, hot lead for us. Yeah, and I, I, we're not done yet either. And obviously we have more, a lot more work to do yet uh, just to, to really get our heads all the way around uh, this Terry Hill guy. But, uh, the, you know, one thing I do want to say is that the family members are the ones that really put it forward to us. And I think one of the comments he said was that his mom was like, well, did they ever look to see if there was a connection? You know, there was always talk or, you know, we always thought there was a connection between Terry Hill and the three lost boys. And that's coming from a family member that's saying that so yeah i mean this is somebody that's related to this guy yeah um, so to have that brought to you is is pretty amazing and frankie since since you you brought it up and you got to the percentages i think we need to move on uh and talk about a different type of percentage and those are the percentages that are coming from you the listeners of the podcast because frankie i love doing these we did we've done two i think in the last year uh but we do surveys and i do these because i'm curious to see get a i want to get a flavor and a feel for where our listeners are at and as we wrap up the season i kind of want to recap um some of these things and and so as you know we we do a i always do have my statistics and my my percentages but then i always throw it out to you guys now the last time we did this was about four months ago uh and the 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 stats were really interesting it was spread out the there was a main area of, of most of the interest was in the caves and looking at uh, saying that the boys were in the cave still. But there was other percentages that, that stuck out, like Ray Farrier was almost 20%. 20% of the people felt that it was Ray Farrier uh, that was in charge of it or that was a was cause of problems. There was 2% that thought it was Charles Ray Hatcher. There was 8% that uh, thought it was a road crew employee abduction. Um, so so the, the percentages were spread out. But if you're on a discussion group, you saw what the percentages were now and what the thoughts of the polls were. But if you're not, we're going to tell you about it now. And Frankie, I'm just going to lay it out on the line for you. 85% of those people that uh, responded to the survey said the boys are lost in the caves. 85%? 85. 85%. Uh, that's kind of cool because it puts my 15% right on terms. <laughs> <laughs> it works real good with that. Uh, I, I, I did expand this one out a little bit because obviously there's been, especially with our Julie Angel issue, our episodes these uh, this season, we got into the Murphy's Cave versus the Cutout Cave. So I split those two up. I said, okay, are the boys lost in the Highway 79 Cutout Caves or are they lost in the Murphy's Caves? So out of those two options, 100% said Cutout Cave, 0% said Murphy's Cave. So that, and, and I think we're, me and you are both on the same page. And I've said it, I said it, if not last season, very early this season, I said, man, I just don't, I just don't have any any passion to say that murphy's cave is where the boys are at if they're in a cave right unless all the caves connect all the caves connect right and that, that's a big big if still and hopefully within the next year or so we might be able to get that answered <laughs> yeah does give away too much um no but that that's cool though right <laughs> i mean we're actually adding to the conversation about not only the lost boys but also the hannibal area and the cave systems yes. like it's kind of crazy that we're part of that um we're part of that history, that yeah. changing history. So you have we're documenting everything. You need a minute? 
<laughs> anyway, uh, so I did mention it was 85%. 85% of them say lost in the cave, specifically the Highway 79 cutout cave. Um, Frankie, have you seen this poll? I'm not convincing enough is what I'm getting from this poll. I, I just got to be more active on. on <laughs> so what do you think? I, I don't know if you've seen it. If you've seen it, that's fine. But if you've not, what do you think that the second highest vote was? After after 85%? Yeah. Um, I'm putting you on the spot. I apologize. No, I, I would. God, I hope it's not Ray Farrier. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to you since we can't we can't go with dead air too long. Uh, it is radio, uh, but the second number two option was road crew accident or cover up. So fifteen uh, percent. Yes, that makes sense. Fifteen percent of those that uh, responded to the poll believed that that was the second biggest cause. Now, if you just put the adding together of eighty five and fifteen percent, that gives you a hundred percent. I gave. Uh, seven different options and all those that did the survey put their options in two so that meant zero percent went for road crew employee abduction zero percent for charles ray hatcher zero percent for lost in murphy's cave zero percent for abducted by a local person and zero percent for ray farrier So that's a big change. Again, as I talked about just a few minutes ago, Ray Ferrier was at 20% four months ago, and now he has fallen uh, completely out of the ranks altogether. And I I think that goes to show, again, I mentioned her name. I'm sending her a Christmas gift. She already found out I'm sending her a Christmas gift this year. But Julie Angel um, (laughs) may have have persuaded quite a few people uh, in those two episodes this season. Um, I wonder what the percentages will be with terrence hill yeah um because that is not on the list no i know and i don't know if i'm being convincing enough i feel that i've definitely swayed people into gaining a lot of weight at the mark twain brewery company (laughs) (laughs) not so much maybe it's Terry hill (laughs) maybe i should just do a food podcast or something but um but I, i think that there's definitely been it's been a great Great season. It's had some ups and downs. Um, I feel that our numbers were strong. Um, I felt that they were going to be a little stronger this year. Um, but we did better than last year, and that says a lot. So we had more downloads than we did last year. Um, and we that will continue to grow and go up as, I think, I don't know, episode one is over 3,500 downloads or something now, mm. uh, which is just crazy. Uh and um, it's it's really revealing that we're getting at least almost a thousand downloads per episode, uh, and that it, that's within basically the first week or two weeks. And then over time, as people start to find the podcast and listen to the podcast, it continues to just grow exponentially. I think that what's in store um, for the groundwork that we're doing with Rich Yoakum, which once again is just this incredible person that came out of the woodwork um, after really surviving a horrific car accident and basically relearning how to live again from walking to talking to chewing to swallowing and coming back uh, to life and then finding our podcast and then uh, being able to be a pilot and pilot these these uh, drones that might give us some answers and clues into the disappearance of the Lost Boys. Um, Julie Angel gave us an incredible 
um, basically as our teacher with all things geology and learning about cave systems and how caves breathe and the potential of the silt and the sinkholes, which has really given you a rise, Chris, to the sinkhole idea that, that, that it's a possibility that these these boys found this underneath the sinkhole. They were didn't fall through the sinkhole. And that was that, you know, is the glass half empty type of thought process that they weren't, you know, these guys were exhausted by the time they got to the sinkhole. So I don't think they were firing on all the right cylinders. Well, the technology wasn't necessarily as there. They weren't as aware back in that time frame, and, and Julie felt that way, with maybe William Karras not knowing and not understanding that sinkholes were obviously because there was some sort of underground void happening underneath that area, and that underground void may have quite well been a passageway from one of the cave systems. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah, there's just definitely, and then you go into Brian Haloida. I was just going back, just kind of reminiscing all through the episodes we had this year, and in case you guys want to re-listen or, or have somebody listen to it. I mean, Dr. Brian Haloida, you know, took time out of his day. Um, he actually used to work out at one of the gyms that I work out with, a more of a hit circuit training type of stuff. But um, And the owner of that gym gave me that connection, and, and Dr. Brian, who now sits in Las Vegas, uh, doing the work that he's doing, the crucial work uh, for the courtroom and examining these people's mindsets. Uh, just, just an incredible season. I'm very happy with where we were and, and all the paths we went down. Um, Jay Tobin finally, you know, knocking that over and understanding like everything that went on with that company and how they're still in the mix as well. I mean, clearly with those statistics, <laughs> right? They're still there. So it's just been a really fun and very educational season um when you know the story it, it's just this incredible as chris flashes his uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry and, and you still have that one suspect in town is three percent which is kind of yeah cool. well and here's something i want before you we get still to... have john wayne gacy at five percent no 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 you're looking okay. at the wrong line so yeah, oh, i just okay. threw up my stat line um because oh, one of the okay. questions that frankie and i both got asked just recently in our discussion group was what was your where you guys stand at and I told I told that person I was like, well, the good thing about where I see that is I don't have to pick just one area. <laughs> I, get to, <laughs> I get to have percentages in this situation. Um, so I just I want to go through this, and Frankie, I want to get your thoughts before we get wrapped up on this season. Um, sure. But some things have changed in my my opinion. Um, just to give you an overview, um, I'm up five percent to forty five percent lost in the cave now. So I have gone up a little bit on that percentage. Um, Ray Farrier's dropped. He was at 26%. I still have him at 20%. I still think he, until we know some solid facts about him, uh, I still think that's very odd. Especially, remember, you got the the the, the, the weird letters. We, we pretty much connected him in William Karras' report as being um, the, the mystery man. Uh, so, I mean, I think I think Ray Ferrier has some more work to be done. Uh, another thing that's gone way up, in my opinion, is the road crew accident scenario. Uh, I had that at 8%. I'm up to 17% now with that. So, really, the top three for me are Lost in the Cave, Ray Ferrier, and Road Crew. Um, and I still say what you just brought up with J.A. Tobin, our episodes with J.A. Tobin. Guys, I'm going to lay this out for you. The, and, and whatever. Lawsuit, whatever. That was a crooked company. There are some issues with J.A. Tobin. I'm just going to throw it out right now sure. um, and, and go ahead and say that. And so you have to put that in the perspective is I think that there, there still is a strong possibility they had something to do with it. Uh, and then you get down to the real low ones here. 
Uh, I still have Charles Ray Hatcher 8%. Um, that's way down from 15% because Charles Ray Hatcher, um, just because it seems like there's more logical responses out there now, um, more logical ideas besides Hatcher, but I still have not completely ruled out Hatcher. Unlike John Wayne Gacy, and Frankie just mentioned him, I had him at 5% the last time I did this. He is off my list now. He has yeah. officially been removed from my list in my percentages. Um, and I do want to point out real quick, uh, road crew employee is still an option at 3%. And then uh, there's two local suspects that hold 4% that we've kind of hit a little bit on. Um, one's at 1%, one's at 3%. And then the new addition is, of course, Terry Hill. And he's sitting pretty low right now at 3%, a little bit lower than uh, Frankie's 15%. Uh, but that could change <laughs> once, and I think that will change Frankie, once we find out exactly his timeline of when he went to prison, what his exact charges were, where, where it happened at. I mean, if we're getting that he was having child molestation charges back in 1967, that shoots him way up, in my opinion. Way up. So, Absolutely. Yeah, so that's where I'm at. So Frankie, where are you at? Um, I like I like forty five percent loss in the cave. I think that's that's a pretty um that's a pretty good number. Uh, Ray Ferrier, uh, you had him at 26. He's now at 20% involved. I still like Ray Ferrier as someone that possibly uh, was in cahoots with someone else, possibly a Terrence Hill. Um, that it was a two-man job. Uh, it's. I would like to see if we can find a way to put those two together somewhere, connect the dots between the real Ray Ferrier, the real name. Um, Keep and- in mind, Moberly and the city that uh, Ray Ferrier's from is probably 45 minutes apart, maybe half an hour. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't know that, did you? So yeah, I actually um, one of Lily's best friends lives in Moberly, um, so that's an interesting town in and of itself. They have their own issues, but um, when you look at like you know Terrence Hill, right? I, I just like I said before, I'm not going to go through it again, but I feel that there's a high probability that this guy's involved somehow from that side of it. I think that there's still, um, and getting back to that guy's question where we stand, I, I do have a better answer this time than last time. I, I, I really think that if it's, if it is someone it's, it's Terrence Hill. I think he's the most likely candidate. I'm not ruling out Charles Ray Hatcher because we still don't know the dates. The dates still align with a kid or a person at this point. It still aligns with a person that was not that far from Hannibal that could have went through Hannibal that could have done his deed. So. And keep in mind, with Charles Ray Hatcher, we, we don't know where he was in May of 67. Exactly. And yeah. secondly, even when he got towards the end, when he started confessing to stuff, he ended up confessing for certain deaths that were never never reached out and never figured out who that was that the, that was killed by him but he he admitted to it but he never nobody ever found out who those were and somebody did but then they ended up throwing that piece of paper away if you remember that article or that oh, when we yeah. talked about that he wrote down everything he did and then he was going to hand it to uh one of the fbi guys and and somehow it got thrown away by the police department and uh St. Joseph. So um, we may have known, but but so keep that in mind. Those two things are keep. That's what's keeping me with Ray Hatcher. But go ahead, Frank. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, you. I mean it's very Henry Lee Lucas too. Henry Lee Lucas is somebody that um, was a confessed serial killer, and he confessed to over 158 murders. He was caught by the Texas Rangers. There's an entire documentary on him 
on Netflix. And one of his uh, good friends, um, they used to do jobs together. Well, it turns out Henry Lee Lucas only killed like two people, but he liked the fame and the fortune. But it is possible that his friend was the one that was responsible for Adam Walsh's um, disappearance, which I don't know where John Walsh stands with that. I haven't seen John in, oh, it's got to be 30 years, because uh, we all grew up kind of in the same neighborhood. We all remember when Adam went missing. I think Adam was actually my age. Um, I even went to that mall when I was a kid, too. Um, so there's there's something about, you know, when you look at um, – Charles Ray Hatcher, when you look at Henry Lee Lucas, when you look at these people that, um, you know, at this at this point in our history, there were so many serial killers. And, and it was because of the access. It was because we didn't have Big Brother. We didn't have iPhones and everybody filming every friggin' thing, every friggin' moment of the day. So, you know, and that's both a blessing and it's both a curse. But I think today our kids are as safe as they've ever been. Now there is this whole thing about, you know, child trafficking that we have to be very concerned about. It, it, it is happening. It is a growing pandemic inside of the United States. Um, so I would, you know, remind you that this stuff has not disappeared by any means. Um, but in 1967, if you were going to, you know, abduct somebody and get rid of the body, it was a good time to do it. It, it was very hard to trace those people's steps. I mean, the cold cases that happened from this area hardly ever solved. Um, but, you know, th- this is a good map. It just shows the growth of the podcast. It shows the growth of the work and the research that's being done. So, And that's a couple of uh, – let me pop this in there real quick, Frankie. And, and even though we, we lean a lot on talking about the abduction scenario, Frankie just said it and I just said it. Our percentages are still highest on the Lost in the Cave scenario. Uh, we're mm-hmm. still in the upper 40s to nearly 50% that, that the cave is the most likely scenario. However, it you know if you want to take William Karras' report, it, it sounds like the caves were pretty exhausted. We have some new leads to work on today in today's world. Um, but these are the leads when you go back down into the lower percentages with these abduction scenarios that were not investigated. And there's nobody out there that has a book that says, um, you know, Charles Ray Hatcher could be a suspect or, or well, we, we know that there's a book out about John Wayne Gacy, but ironically we start the season out Frankie by talking about John Wayne Gacy. And by the end of the season, both of us are at 0% that John Wayne Gacy had anything to do with it. Yeah, he is gone. So I know John Wingate likes to tout his book. Um, the souls speak one that's all about john wayne gacy uh he still has yet to respond to any of my emails any of my transgressions that i have sent him about coming on the show and talking about john wayne gacy and seeing where he stands with it and that shows one of two things that i don't know that he's completely 100 percent sold that it is john wayne gacy i think that he's depending upon um a lot on the people that he brought out uh, which, once again, I've said this before, they might not be wrong. It just is not John Wayne Gacy. Um, it could be somebody that kind of had that demeanor and that evil, auspicious manner that the charming manner that John Wayne Gacy did have. Um, but at the same time, I mean, like, we're, we're not hopping on websites or every time something about Hannibal comes up and, and posting our... our um, our, our podcast. podcast. <laughs> we we rely on you guys to do that. <laughs> but I mean, and our podcast is free. It's always been free. It'll always be free. Um, and I think that, you know, the information we're having here is not, it's not buckshot where you have that, 
um, John Wayne Gacy starts off the season, and it was a little bit because of the the attitude that I think John Wingate showed to us when we were just trying to be supportive and trying to you know in it for the same game, trying to find out where the boys are. It was never about who found them or. I don't care who finds them. I hope that the work that we've done leads to it. You know, that's that's not, for me, it's not about glory. It's not about legacy. I don't want a bronze bust. I just want these kids to have a proper burial, and I want closure to the remaining family members. That's our objective. And with people like Rich Yoakum that have stepped up and is able to help us without having to raise money to do those things, that's huge for us. I talked to my buddy today, Josh, um, who's going to do the ground-penetrating radar. Um, he has a buddy that knows what to do. These guys are Marines. Um, they've done it before. So we have all this help coming in, and it just shows you that these boys are still very much alive to us. This case is still very much alive. I'm, You know, having the theme as the, ca- the case went cold, I think things are heating up. And for for next season... Unless Chris, you have anything else? Um. Well, yeah, yeah. Let me let me just pop in there real quick. I, you know, it's been a quite a journey this season. Again, we we start out the season with talking about the abduction scenario. Then we kind of lean more into getting back to Hannibal, as we've said multiple times, and talking about the caves and, and having these great. Uh, interactions and not only interactions in our podcast, but interactions on our discussion group. And that's something to keep in mind as as we go into this off season. Just because we're not podcasting anymore doesn't mean the discussion group's not happening anymore. If you have stuff that you want to throw out there, um, we have stuff we want to throw out. It'll be on that discussion group. We have uh, coming up on close to 500 people, I believe, now in that discussion group, which is just amazing. Uh, So if you know some people that are listening to the podcast or you're listening to the podcast yourself and are not part of it, I would highly encourage that. But, uh, Frankie, before I wrap up and we get done, I just want to say thank you to everybody for all the help this year, all the support. And... um, I'm, I think, you know, we the case might have gone cold for our Season 2 uh, title. I think, maybe, like you said, it's probably going to be things are heating up will be the Season 3 title. Yeah, things are definitely heating up. I, I, I For me, I am very um, confident and I'm very excited about what's next. I think we are going to move the needle. I think that the research and the technology that we're bringing to this case is really going to add to the conversation and it's going to add new depth to it. And it's probably going to add our favorite rabbit holes, uh, which we love to go down with you guys. And that's once again, it's what you guys are here for all the little rabbit holes. Um, And remember, once again, don't forget to join us on October 25th at 7 PM for our special Halloween episode where we get to blow off a little steam, have a little fun. Let's talk about the UFO theory. Let's talk about Momo which I'm putting Tris in charge of um, Mm -hmm. uh, because he seems to know all about Momo and the people that created him. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, UFO theory is interesting because I believe Billy or Joey did see a UFO right before they went missing. Um, So I know Chris wants to believe. Um, (laughs) I was pointing at my side. (laughs) I know know Lily does believe because I think she's an alien at times. Um, But... I think that, like, you know, all in all, I do also want to say thank you for all the support. I know this has been a tough year for a lot of you guys, and I really hope that you find your ground and your footing 
um, in the new year. And I really hope that this pandemic ends soon so everybody can return back to, um, I don't want to say return to normal. I think that our normals change and I think it's changed for the better. Um, I actually like working out with a mask on. Uh, gyms are disgusting. Uh, <laughs> so um, there are some things that I think will change forever. But I, I think that, um, you know, the fact that you guys have given us that support and love when you could listen to a thousand other shows, you chose to listen to Lost Boys of Hannibal. And for that, we are and, and grateful, internally grateful for that. And um, I hope to find these boys with you guys and uh, mention every one of you listeners out there that supported this case. And, and it's not from a monetary standpoint and it's not from um, any kind of political gain. It's basically being humans and being good humans and finding uh, humanity that still exists even 53 years later. So from all of us here at the Lost Boys of Hannibal, I'm Frankie Cambaletta. I'm Chris Ketters. And we'll be seeing you. I've never loved you